Hello, I'm Gil Shear. Today we're going to do some Hebrew for beginners, but not just regular Hebrew. We're also going to learn Hebrew and its spiritual meaning, the root behind this sacred, um, special language, unlike any other language. So let's dive into it. Feel free, of course, to ask anything you want uh, in the chats. Also, it'd be great to see uh, who's with us today so you can introduce yourself. Maybe say where you're from as well. That'll be awesome. And let's dive right into it. Okay, so hello and welcome to Kabbalah Explained Simply. I am Gil Shear, and today we are doing Hebrew for beginners to learn the Hebrew language and its spiritual meaning. Some of you might already have seen our previous videos about this topic, about Hebrew and the spiritual root of it. They were quite popular and the demand was high, so we're doing another video on the topic and also we wanted to share with you some, some new things. So let's jump right into it. Uh, we are starting, starting here. We're starting on the 26th of September. 3760 BC. So, what happened there? Almost 6,000 years ago, about 5,783 years ago, something very special happened. Who knows? Give you a clue. This probably means nothing to you. Okay, I'll tell you. There was a person, his name, Adam, and he discovered a hidden force in nature. Now, Adam was a regular human being, just like you and me. Adam wasn't satisfied with life, possibly like you and me, weren't, or at least until we, we searched and found for something greater. And Adam was the first person in humanity to tap in to infinite and concealed forces in nature. No one thought it was possible to do that. Everyone just lived their lives. Actually, not very different from today. They lived their lives. They had their cattle, their their farm or whatever. And that's it. They were happy. Unlike today, people have their have their things, but they're not happy. But no one thought it was possible to, to delve into a different layer, a different level of reality. No one thought it was possible. Adam did. And he discovered something incredible. He discovered the Hebrew language. You might be thinking, wait a minute, discovered? Hold on. How can you discover a language? A language is invented, right? Okay, so bear with me. He discovered the Hebrew language. And by doing that, he unlocked this wisdom, this code for thousands and hundreds of thousands of people to follow. So maybe you feel a little bit like Adam, that you also have this attraction to this language. You don't even know why. You might be Jewish or you might not be Jewish. It isn't a language that is kept only for the Jewish people, even though it is that spoken language. But many, many people in the world today and in the past are drawn to the Hebrew language. Even though the reasoning sometimes is, yeah, I just want to learn this language, etc. But deep inside there is something more pulling to learn what this is all about. So let's jump ahead a little bit in time to about 36 years ago. 
This is me. I was four years old. I'm on the left here. This is 1987. And this is when I learned the Hebrew language. I was born in Australia. My dad is Israeli, so he taught me Hebrew. And this was my first encounter with the Hebrew language. I always felt there was something to this language. I couldn't put my finger on it. Definitely not at age four. But years to come, I had this attraction to it as well. Even though I already moved to Israel a few years later, about eight years later, and I already lived in Israel, and I learned Hebrew, and I spoke it fluently. But I always felt there's something beyond it in these letters, in these words. So 25 years later, I started teaching Hebrew online. For those who started to calculate the maths, I'm 40. When I was four, that was about 36 years ago. 25 years later, that was about 10 years ago. So I started teaching Hebrew online. Uh, these are some courses that I created. I taught over 10,000 students to read, write, and speak Hebrew. But even then, when I started teaching, I felt that there was something missing. And only a few years later, with my spiritual teacher, Kabbalist Dr. Michael Lightman, I figured out what was that missing piece in the puzzle. I discovered something that changed my entire approach to the Hebrew language, to speaking Hebrew, to reading Hebrew, and to teaching Hebrew. And what I discovered is that the Hebrew language is not a regular language. It's a language of roots and branches. It's a language of forces. It's a code that describes an operating system that is outside the scope of the reality as we know it. It's a language that results of two opposing forces which are colliding and interacting and you could say even exploding, forging every single letter, every symbol that has a unique meaning and a unique quality. Every one of the 22 plus 5, 27 Hebrew letters, each with a unique symbol that has a spiritual meaning behind it. As a result... We recently created in Kabyu three new courses that combine both learning the Hebrew language and the spiritual meaning behind this language. If you're watching, there's a good chance you've already seen these courses and you've already signed up. As I said, we didn't create them. We only created them after we saw there was pretty big demand for them. So we created them just recently, just a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm talking about these three courses, Crack the Hebrew Code, learn to read Hebrew from scratch, and conversational Hebrew. Basically, just a quick kind of description. So the crack of the Hebrew code is the fundamentals of Hebrew. Word structure, consonants, the alphabet, kickstart of the vocabulary, etc. But not only that, also the spiritual root, how it was formed, the spiritual idea of every letter, the numerical value, etc., etc., uh, in learn to read Hebrew, you actually learn to read Hebrew, no prior knowledge required, and in learn conversational Hebrew, you learn to speak Hebrew. So these are the three courses we created per, per uh, demand. And today I'm going to share with you three secrets that I found while creating these courses. And hopefully these secrets will give you value. And not only that, we'll also learn some Hebrew. We'll learn the letter and the spiritual idea of it, its numerical value, the numerology of it, the geometrical structure of it, a concept with that letter. It's going to be fun. And of course, ask any question you have in the chats. I'm going to be looking at the questions. 
also now and also later on. So if you're watching a recording of this, if you're watching this video not live, feel free to post any comment you want, any question you want. I will be going back every time there's a notification and checking the questions and answering. All right, so let's dive right into it. Secret number one, every letter of the Hebrew language was forged in the spiritual worlds, worlds before time and space existed. Again, every letter of the Hebrew language was forged in the spiritual worlds. What does it mean forged and where are the spiritual worlds? We'll explain a little bit. And it's before time and before space. So when I say the origin of the Hebrew language, we're not talking about what academics have found today to date back 3,000 years, even though a decade ago they thought it was only 2,000 years, and they'll keep finding more and more uh, ancient findings. Uh, the actual language was, was forged, formed, created before space and time existed, meaning before the 14 billion years ago, before that, that's where Hebrew was created. Confusing? Okay, we'll explain a little more. That's secret number one. Secret number two, unlike other languages, the Hebrew language wasn't invented, but it was discovered. So you might be thinking, what do you mean discovered? How can you discover a language? Well, of course, that connects to secret number one. Since this language was forged in the spiritual worlds, it was existing. It's like elements. They exist. They were only discovered by scientists similar to the Hebrew language. It was not invented, but discovered. We're going to go a little bit deeper into every secret now. Just now I wanted to give you kind of an overview. Secret number three, learning Hebrew is not like learning any language. It requires something beyond intellect. So it's not just studying regularly and learning the letters and the consonants and this and the vowels, etc. No, it requires something more. In this session, we're going to unlock these secrets and we're going to learn some Hebrew with what we learn. Ready? Okay, do we have any questions to start with? Okay, quick question. Why do you say 22 plus 5 instead of just 27? Because there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and there are five final letters, meaning there are five letters, which when written at the end of a word are written differently. So they're not really five different letters, but they're five letters which are different when they come at the end of the word. That's why it's 22 letters plus 5. In total, 27 symbols. And the final letters have a different uh, ID than the non-final letters. So the letter... Sadi, for example, also has a final letter. They look slightly different, and they have a different spiritual ID and a different code, you could say. Okay, let's see this. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, okay, great, great, great. Many, many, many comments already. Excellent. Uh, it's exciting, so keep going, keep writing more, and let's let's keep going. Let's keep going, and of course, uh, ask any questions you have. So, the first secret, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, of the Hebrew language, was forged in the spiritual worlds before time and space existed. So, in order to delve a little bit into this first secret, I want to share a video from the first course, uh, this one, from Crack the Hebrew Code course. I want to share a video from it. We won't show watch all of it. It's about 15 minutes, but we'll watch enough to shed some light on this first secret. So let me find it. It is over here. And let's take a look. Hello and welcome back to the video where it's finally happening. We're going to go into the world of Atzilut. We're going to zoom in and we're going to find the origin of the Hebrew language. So to do that, let's do a quick Reminder, 
of the five worlds, which you just saw now, but just again before we zoom in, so we have the five worlds, which are really levels of concealment. And in the world of Atzilut, we have ten sefirot, and the lower sefirah is Malchut, and the higher sefirah is Bina, and from the interactions, from the integration, in a way even collisions between Malchut and Bina, all the letters were forged. And actually it's fascinating, in our world, elements were forged in a similar way, and we're going to see a video uh, from Berkeley, a really short one, about that as well. Before we zoom into the world of Atzilut, we are going to zoom in in a second. Here it is, I got it already. But before we do, let's watch a short clip from Kabbalist Dr. Michael Lattman, who gives an overview of where the letters are created. Let's take a look. This comes from the second restriction, Malchut, that is here. She rises until where? Until the Zat, the lower seven of Bina. Until here she rises and she can't rise beyond that. So this is Malchut, which rises to Bina under the second restriction, where Malchut can insert her vessels, her desire, and then she mixes up with Bina, and this mixture of Bina and Malchut, the qualities of reception and bestowal, they give birth to all the forms of the letters. Where do the letters come from? They come from the relations, the connections between Bina and Malchut. We have two forces in reality, the force of reception and the force of bestowal. The force of reception is Malchut, the force of bestowal is Bina, and they connect together, Malchut and Bina. These two forces are connected, and they start through their interactions, through their inclusions in all different manners and forms, they begin to, f to form the different manners of their connection. And altogether, we have these 22 forms. And why 22 and not endless forms? Because altogether, we have 10 sefirot in Bina, besides Malchut, because Malchut cannot be used. We have 10 sefirot in Zeranpin, and also there, Malchut can't be used. And 4 sefirot in the Malchut, which is clothed on Zeranpin, because the second restriction means I can't use the Malchut, but only on the connection between Malchut and Bina. That's why it's 9 and 9 and 4. Altogether, 22 forms. Okay. Even if you didn't get everything there, I hope it at least gave you some wow about where it was created. We're going to explain that now. Uh, so basically what we're looking at here is the same illustration, just with English translation as well. So we're looking up here. This is the world of Atzilut, as we saw it here. So Atzilut, we're going to zoom in on this. So that's here. And the worlds of Bria, Yitzirah, and Asiyah are down here. Bria, Yitzirah, and Asiyah. Don't worry about the proportions. I just did it so it will fit in because we're zooming in on Atzilut, so it's bigger. Uh, and like we said, there's a self-similar nature of reality. Right? So inside of Atzilut, there are 10 sefirot. Now you might be looking here and you only see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. What's going on here? Well, the first sefirah, Keter, then second sefirah, Chokhmah, third sefirah, Bina, which is divided into two parts, Gar of Bina. Gar is, it means Gimel Rishonot, the upper three parts of Bina, and Zat of Bina, Zain Tachtonot, the lower seven. So upper three, lower seven, in total ten. Why are there ten parts of Bina? Did you guess? 
Because also Bina, inside of it has 10 Sefirot. Did I already mention the self-similar nature of reality? You zoom in, you find again the same reoccurring structure. So that's Bina, and then we have Zer Anpin, which in fact consists of six Sefirot. So we have Keter Chumah Bina. Zer Anpin is actually the Sefirot of Chesed, Gvurat, Tiferet, Netzach, Hod, Yesod. That's six Sefirot. And then you have the final Sefirah, the 10th Sefirah of Malchut. And all of the letters were created from the Malchut rising to Bina. From this process of Malchut rising to Bina, the minus force and the plus force, the force of reception and the force of bestowal, two forces in nature, in our world as well as a result of that, and you can't just have one force. All of the growth, all of evolution, all of development always comes from two forces, right? This contrast is what gives birth, it's, it's what creates. So also here, Malchut rose to uh, Bina, and it created the letters in that process. Now, all the letters were created in Bina, Zeranpin, and Malchut. Now, before we go in to zoom into each one of these to see where the letters are formed, let's watch another short clip. Uh, actually, it's from a Berkeley professor who's talking about how elements were forged. Uh, this time, I'm going to stay and watch the clip together with you, and we'll talk about it as we watch it. It's, in my opinion, really fascinating. So let's take a look. It was incredibly exciting to see the data. It was uh, almost surreal. This is a phenomena that had never been seen before. What's been discovered is the merger of two dense neutron stars. What they produced was a ripple in space-time that was detected as gravitational waves. So imagine these uh, two forces that we see here in this video. Similar in our illustration, it's the forces of Malchut and Bina which, as he said, let's go back to second. Two dense neutron stars. What they produced was a ripple in space-time. A ripple in space-time. I love that. So imagine a ripple in the spiritual world. And this ripple is what forged letters. And that was detected as gravitational waves. As well as the light from the radioactive debris ejected from it that glows brightly some period of weeks. So in our illustration, the light is Bina. Bina resembles the light, the force of giving, the Malchut resembles the vessel, the force of receiving. And in that radioactive debris, we see signals of formation of many of the heavy elements around us, all of the gold and platinum and other precious metals. From that, we conclude that basically um, there's enough material produced in these events to basically see the entire galaxy and the, and the Earth. So, in our case, what he said here, that these, these forces Brightly created... For some period of weeks. Hold on. And in that radioactive debris, we see signals of formation of many of the heavy elements around us, all of the gold and... And in our case, it's the formation of the letters, which we're going to see in a second exactly where they were formed in each world and what letters were formed. But it's incredible that the same way it works in the spiritual world, it also works in the material world, of course. Why is that, by the way? There's, there's a, a very good explanation why that is. And that is because of this. Remember? Cause, concept. 
All right, we're going to stop here. The video keeps going, explaining about each letter, in the world it's in, and so on. Um, but we'll pause here, uh, because we can't show the whole course here, obviously. Just by the way, I see there are some questions here already about when are we going to do the course. The course is done. Uh, you can already check out the links. I'll explain a little bit more about it at the end, but if you're really eager and you can't wait, then you can see the links in the chat. I'm sure the staff now is going to post it there. So three courses are actually done. So again, if it wasn't clear, we have three courses on the topic. I'll explain a little bit more about them at the end. But this is already from the course and it's already been released. And that's really thanks to the strong desire that came from you guys, actually, uh, really, really asking for it. Okay, so let's keep going. So that was secret number one. Every letter was forged in the spiritual worlds before time and space existed. Okay, so we saw now in this video how there is there there are spiritual worlds which are above our world through interactions of two different forces. One force called Malchut is actually one of the ten sefirot. Another force called Bina, another one of the ten sefirot. You could say that they are opposite forces in a way. Malchut is a receiving force. It's it resembles our desire to receive, and the Bina is a giving force. You could say it resembles the infinite light, and through the interactions between these two opposite forces, the letters were forged. Similar to how elements were forged, you could say. So that was secret number one. And let's take a look at number two. Secret number two. So unlike other languages, the Hebrew language wasn't invented, but it was discovered. So what does that actually mean? Let's take a look at what it means that the Hebrew language wasn't invented, but it was discovered. So let's take a look at the drawing board. Okay, hopefully you can see it. One second, the letters are being backwards. Let's fix that. All right, cool. So what does it mean that it wasn't invented but discovered? So remember we said Adam, he was the first one to discover it. So what does that mean that he was the first one? It basically, wait, let's do this. Okay. That will be better. Okay, so we have, uh, this is, let's call it a barrier. Now, a barrier of what? It's a barrier between this world and the spiritual world. Or worlds, you could say. There are five spiritual worlds. Now, the letters were formed in one of the spiritual worlds called Atzilut, which is, let's say here, in some interaction between the Malchut, which is the lowest part of the world of Atzilut, and Bina. So we said, like a minus and a plus, and th their interactions forge the letters. Now, what does it mean that it was discovered? And how? So, there was a person, we mentioned him at the start, his name was Adam. Now, you might think, oh, wait a minute, is that the same Adam from the Bible? Is the first Adam? In Judaism, there is a misconception of who Adam was. Adam, in fact, was the first person to discover the forces of nature. He was a regular person, he lived almost 6,000 years ago, and he had a an awakening from within that pushed him to explore, examine, and research the laws of reality. And as a result, he discovered the forces of nature. He 
rose himself, not physically, of course, but internally, spiritually. Through his attainment, he rose to the world of Atzilut, and there he discovered the 27 Hebrew symbols. So the letters were already existent, existing in the code of reality, and Adam rose to the spiritual worlds and discovered that language. Now you might be asking, okay, does anyone who rises to the spiritual worlds discover the language? Yes. What if I don't speak Hebrew at all? Will I know Hebrew if I rise to that spiritual degree? Yes, you will. Just like a researcher who discovers an element, by his research he finds, he has his findings, so the findings here are the forms of these letters. The, the shape, the inner meaning of it, the essence of the letter. So the Hebrew language wasn't invented, but it was discovered. So let's keep going. I, there are questions, I already see them, and I'll get to them in just a moment. So we are here. Okay, moving on to secret number three. Learning Hebrew is not like learning any language. It requires something beyond intellect. Okay, so even if you technically can learn to speak and read and write Hebrew, just by learning it like any other language, that is not in fact discovering the true nature of Hebrew. Now, someone here mentioned in the comments, and actually it was, it was interesting to see that, um, where was it? They said that they learned Hebrew in one of the popular language platforms, uh, but they didn't. It, it failed, and now they understand why. And it's true, because actually a lot of people wrote that in the previous videos, that they started learning Hebrew and they didn't have this, something was missing, they didn't have an inspiration to continue. Because in fact, learning Hebrew without learning the spiritual root of it is superficial, you could say. Yes, you might learn to read and write, no doubt, uh, like every kid in Israel does. It's the spoken language here. Every kid learns it. But if you learn it with the spiritual meaning behind it, it will add another element that will not only give you an intellectual understanding, but also an emotional and spiritual experience just from studying a, a language. So what else does it require beyond intellect? It actually requires a desire. So going back to Adam, if you now study Hebrew, and if you, let's say you take the course and you're watching the letter Aleph, besides the fact that we explain the spiritual ID behind the letter, etc., what world it's in, what sefirah, what uh, spiritual concept, so on, it still requires more than intellect. If you, with your intention, are studying the letter Aleph, which is here, and you want, just like Adam, you want to break into the spiritual meaning of that letter with your desire, that desire, in return, brings spiritual forces from the spiritual world where that letter is. So in addition to intellect, what you need beyond that is, let's say, intention. So that was secret number three. Learning Hebrew is not like any language. It requires something beyond intellect. It requires intention. So let's see what else we have here and um, take a quick look at the questions, which are... Okay, 
Um, if we read Hebrew without understanding the words, can it affect us? It can. In fact, there was a great Kabbalist named Baal Sulam, and he said that students don't even need to understand the language in order for it to affect them. That's, this relates directly to the third secret, that you need something beyond intellect. You need a desire, an, in, an intention. And if your intention, when trying to learn Hebrew, and even if you don't understand the words, when you want to delve into them, especially spiritual texts, Kabbalistic texts, then that desire, it attracts this light, which Kabbalists write that it surrounds your soul. And the light that surrounds your soul, when you intend for it to influence you, it illuminates your soul. Uh, let's see. Uh, why does Malchut rise to Bina, not from below the Parsa? Okay, that's, that's an advanced question from Maria from Seattle. Uh, because all of the corrections are done in the world of Atzilut. That's why everything is done above the Parsa. Below the Parsa is the Klipot, what is known as the shells. So all of the letters are uh, only above the Parsa. And this actually relates to another question. Um, this relates to another question. What's the reasoning of the changes in the end of the word? This is from Durandi, Gir Silva. Why are some letters changed at the end of the word? What's the reasoning of those changes? Uh, so let's take a look for a second. And let's, let's see. It's, it's actually quite interesting. So we have, um, just to maybe draw it briefly. Um, mm -mm, okay. Without going into too much detail now. Okay, so without going into too much detail, so we are here in this world. And then you have the five spiritual worlds. Um, I'll do a tilut big on purpose, even though it's not necessarily big. Sorry, there's one more. Uh, just because I need more room here, so I'll do this is the world of Atzilut. Now, in Atzilut, as explained in the video from the course that we saw, there are three layers. There is Bina, Zatov Bina, Zer Anpin, and Malchut. This is all in the world of Atzilut. Without getting too technical, if you don't understand what these words mean, don't worry. Basically, there are different qualities of the spiritual worlds. There, in total, are five worlds, Atzilut, Bria, Yetzira, Asiya, and above all, there is Adam Kadmon. So there's Adam Kadmon, Atzilut, Beria, Yetzirah, I'll write it here, just so you can see, and Asiyah. These are the five spiritual worlds, and all the letters, as explained, were forged in the world of Atzilut, and there are nine letters in Bina, nine letters in Zerah Anpin, and four letters in Malchut. So here is Aleph to Tet, the first nine letters, and then continues. And the last final letters, they're written differently, and they, four out of the five of them, they go beyond the line. So, Nun Sofit looks like this. Tzadik Sofit looks like this. Pei Sofit looks something like this. <laughs> Hold on. Like this. And Chaf Sofit looks like this. The reason why they're written differently and they all have long legs is because they 
connect the light from the world of Atzilut, the corrected world, to the worlds of Briah, Yetzirah, and Asiyah, the worlds of the Klipot. That's why they have these like long legs, it's called, that they can potentially attract light to connect between the corrected worlds and the uncorrected worlds. So it's a really interesting topic. Uh, we'll pause there because we can do a whole course just about that. So this we did, and so did this. Um, there's a question here wasn't there a prisoner somewhere who attained Hebrew via the agony he felt I heard about that too I don't know him personally so I can't say but I also heard that story that there was a prisoner who was attracted to study Hebrew and from his desire he attained Hebrew from that pain that he had well not really pain from this this yearning like like yearning to to, to, to be something, to reach something. So from that he attained Hebrew. I heard that story too. Uh, I don't know him personally, so I can't testify whether or not it's true, but I, I did hear that. Uh, okay, let's see what else. What is the parsa? Question from Crystal James. The parsa is a separator between the corrected worlds and the uncorrected worlds. So this is the parsa. Let's do it here in red. And it, it's, it separates between the world of Atzilut and the worlds of Bria, Yetzira, and Asiya. Um, let's see what else. Okay, some technical questions about the courses because I see that they're here. Um, does the course have textbooks to read as part of it? Not yet, but it's in the making. Also, is the course, is it time limited or is it lifetime access? It's lifetime access. And it also has a 30-day Money-back guarantee. If you try it out, you don't like it, no questions asked, we'll give you your money back. Uh, it hasn't happened so far. Um, a question from Debbie. We did a couple of first letters a few months ago. Are you going to continue those lessons? Yes, I did all of the letters, every single one of them, in the Hebrew course. Uh, so you're welcome to check it out there. Uh, actually, let's let's learn some Hebrew. I see that more or less kind of we covered the, the basics of the questions. Let's get an experience of... The letter, the letter uh, Yud. Let's let's learn the letter Yud. Okay, so the letter Yud is uh, here. Okay, so the letter Yud is the tenth letter. Um, let's take a look at this screen. Okay, so the letter Yud. The letter Yud. You can draw it like this. Let's go to blue. Letter Yud. This is letter Yud. You can, of course, fill it out. So the letter Yud. It has a little tip at the top of it, which resembles the higher spiritual world that it yearns to reach. The letter Yud itself, so it looks like this. Actually, every letter in Hebrew has... Um, it, it has two versions. It has the script version, which is which is the same version that's written in the Bible. And it also has, so this is script. And it also has a cursive version, which is what is used when you usually write. Um, so the cursive version of Yud is just like this. Just a, a small line. Now, 
I'll say how does it fit into the kind of when you write. So Yud is actually uh, a small letter. So it doesn't go all the way down. It just looks something like this. Let's say just to get a comparison, Aleph goes all the way and Yud uh, is only halfway down. So that's the letter Yud. It's pronounced either Yod or Yud. It doesn't matter. It's both the same. Uh Let's watch a short video also from the course about um, the letter Yud. No, the letter Yud, that's, let's stop here with the letter Yud. Maybe um, let's look at another letter. Uh, the letter Yud, by the way, its spiritual meaning is... Actually, let's, let's have a look quickly at uh, the spiritual ID of the letter Yud. Let me just grab it open. One second... So the spiritual ID of the letter Yud. Hold on, I have quite a few windows here. Um, er, I think I closed the window that I wanted. Hold on, let me quickly open it again. Okay. So the spiritual ID of the letter Yud is... Okay, so the letter Yud, its numerical value is 10. Every Hebrew letter has a numerical value. It's called Gematria. You may have heard of it. We also covered that in the first course. Uh, the letter Yud is in the world of Atilut, as are all the letters except for the last five letters, which I drew before, which go below. The Sefira of the letter Yud, every letter has a Sefira associated with it. It's the Sefira of Keter. Its parent Sefira is Zerampin. Because remember how we said that somewhere here, here that the letters in the world of Atzilut are either in Binah, Zer Anpin, or Malchut. So the first nine are in Binah, and the second nine are in the Sefira of Zer Anpin. So that's why the letter is in the Sefira of its parent Sefira is Zer Anpin, and you could say that's the spiritual idea of the letter Yud. It's essence of the letter Yud is Chokhmah. Chokhmah literally means wisdom, although when we say Chokhmah in the wisdom of Kabbalah, we're referring to the light of Chokhmah, the Sefirah of Chokhmah, the second Sefirah, and in fact it's the light which holds in it the purpose of creation. It's all of the entire fulfillment that all of reality is destined to achieve. So the letter Yud is also special because it's the beginning of the name Yud Kei Vav Kei, Yuhava, which you may, you may know it like that. And it's the first letter of what is known as the name of God, Yud Kei Vav Kei. So the first letter is Yod. So Yod has kind of a special essence to it. Uh, that's the letter Yud. Um, let's see. More questions. Okay, there are a few more questions. We'll maybe save them for the end. Let's take a look at another letter. Let's look at the letter Hey. Uh, this time we'll do it in a more kind of structured way. I'll show you a video. Actually, I'll show you three videos. Let's see if we have time. Every letter in the course, by the way, has uh, four videos in total. It has one video explaining the letter uh, and how to write it, how to pronounce it, its consonants. In addition to that, four words starting with that letter. Kind of the overview of the letter to so learn Hebrew. 
In addition to that, there's a video about uh, the spiritual ID of that letter. So every letter we did a spiritual ID, just like we did now for Yud. And in addition to that, there's a spiritual concept starting with the letter, say for example, Yud. So uh, the letter Aleph, we did Or, Light, and explained what that is. Bet, we did uh, Bria, which is uh, the creation. We explained what that is as well, of course. So a spiritual concept starting with that letter and its essence to an extent. So let's take a look, get a taste of one of the videos uh, about the letter He. So let's take a look at it and keep writing questions that you have. Okay, so we're up to the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And that fifth letter is He. So He is one of the four vowels in Hebrew. It's called Otiot Ehevi, which are Aleph, He, Vav, and Yud. And it usually is, acts as a, as a vowel, which means it's not really heard out when it comes at the end of a word. And if it doesn't come at the end of the word, then it's pronounced like the English letter H, like in the word hot. Huh? So that's hey. Its numerical value is five. So Thursday in Hebrew is Yom Hamishi, which is Yom Hey, the fifth day, fifth day. And Kita Hey is the fifth grade, and so on. The frequency of the letter He, He is pretty frequent. It's 8.18% in the Hebrew alphabet, from all the Hebrew words, in modern Hebrew, that is. And that's a little bit about the letter He. So, let's now see how to write it. So, first of all, in Hebrew, it's it's called He, or He, sometimes it's, it's been said. So, go on, let's say it together. He. It's pretty easy, it's like saying He. Okay, so, hey. Alright, now let's see how to write it. All are pretty simple. It's three simple lines. Here's the first. This would be the time to mention if you want to learn how to write the letter. Now, get a pen and paper and write the letter, hey. Let's keep going. And the second. And the third. Very simple. Let's look at it again. And a one. Two coming right down. And a three little tip there. So that's the letter He. Now, let's have a look at some words that begin with the letter He. Okay, ready? Let's see what the first word is. And there we go. So the first word is Har. Har. Or like you might say it, Har. Which is a mountain. See the letter He at the beginning? Ha, like hot, right? So it's Har. Har. Mountain. Say it with me. Go on. Har. Okay. Next word. This is Hosha. You know Hosha? He was a prophet. So this is Hosha. Hosha ben Be'eri. Actually, his full name is. There's a book after him, actually. It's called the Book of Hosha. And his name also begins with a hey. So try say it. Hosha. Okay, next word. Hege, which is a steering wheel. But in Hebrew, it's Hege. So here's a good example. Okay, we'll, we'll pause here. So it continues with, with a couple more words with the letter He. So by now, hopefully, you know how to write the letter He and to say the sound, it's consonant He, He, Ha, like H, Ha, He, He. And we also learned a few words. 
So let's test you quick pop quiz. Har, what's har? Come on, you just learned it a second ago. Okay, you forgot. It's fine. It takes a few times. When you learn a new language, in the beginning, it can be frustrating because it's like nothing sinks in. And I can tell you from experience, I recently started learning Spanish and it's really frustrating in the beginning, but re repetition is key. And at some point, suddenly things start connecting because you're learning separate dots and, and more and more and more and more. And at some point, they start connecting and then you get these like boosts of, of sudden understanding, you know, like leaps. So Har is mountain. That's the word that you learned now. And Hosha is a prophet. So it's a name actually. And Hege is steering wheel. That's three words with the letter He. Let's take a look at the spiritual ID of the letter He. So let's take a look at the video from the course Crack the Hebrew Code. Okay, the spiritual ID of the letter He. Sometimes it's also pronounced He. He. Okay. So He, numerical value is five. It's in the world of Atzilut. Its sefirah is Gvura. Its parent sefirah, Bina. And it is here. So it's the fifth. That's why it's still in the world of Bina. So it's one. So the numerical value is five. Its sefirah is Gvura. Keter Chochma Bina Chesed Gvura. And its parent Sefira is Bina. Let's take a look at its geometrical structure as well for the letter He. So the upper light, the upper line is Chasadim, the vertical line is Chokhmah, and this little addition here is a Ubar. Ubar is an embryo, and it's of course the result of the light of Chasadim with the light of Chokhmah. The light of Chokhmah, by the way, is also called Abba Ve'ima, mother and father. So that is the letter He. Maybe one more addition. He is also Havaya, and Havaya are the letters of the Creator. The letters Yud Kei Vav Kei. They are the letters of Havaya. So He is the starter of the word Havaya. Okay, so that was the spiritual ID of the letter He. Let's also get a taste, if I'm already giving you kind of a preview of the full letter He, let's also do the spiritual concept starting with the letter He. So the letter He, the spiritual concept that we did, is Hishtavut Hatsura, which is equivalence of form, uh, let's let's take a look at Hishtavut Hatsura. Uh, I just lost the video. <laughs> I have so many windows open here, so you will forgive me, I'm sure. Uh, letter Hey Hishtavut Hatsura. Where is it? Uh, okay, so let's already in the meantime let's ask you what is Hishtavut? Who knows what Hishtavut means? Hishtavut. First of all, can you hear the the sound that it starts with? Hi, the the h at the beginning. The hishtavut means equivalence, and hatsura is form. So equivalence of form. So here it is. I found the video. 
Let's take a quick look at it. Okay. Here it is. So the spiritual concept starting with the letter Hey, let's take a look. Kabbalistic concept starting with the letter Hey. Hey. Okay, what do we have here? We have Hishtavut Hatsura. Say it with me. Hishtavut Hatsura. So Hishtavut means equivalence to equalize. Hatsura is form. So Hishtavut Hatsura means equivalence of form. Now, in spirituality, equivalence of form is a state that two things, when they're equivalent, they don't become close like in our world. Like if you have equivalent opinions to someone else, then you might feel close to them. In spirituality, equivalence of form means adhesion, means dvikut, like we learned in Dalet, right? So equivalence of form is what leads to the state of dvikut. Now, let's watch a short clip by Joseph Ochayon, an award-winning fil award filmmaker and a long-time Kabyu instructor who gives an awesome explanation of Hishtavut Hatsura. Let's take a look. If you're in a negative state, you actually attract more negative states. Isn't that like a little bit of the law of attraction? I'll tell you the problem with the law of attraction. It was a cool movie, it was a catchy idea, but it doesn't work that way. Yes, it's true that there is a law of equivalence of form, which means that things that have similar qualities find themselves closer. The thing that the law of attraction, as they call it, doesn't take into account is that there is a purpose to the whole development. So. We need to be in equivalence of form with the purpose of creation. That end goal is not taken into account in the law of attraction. And then what you have is, okay, so I'll just think about good things and I'll have good things in life. I'll think about bad things and I'll have bad things in life. Very simplistic and not necessarily true. Why? Because the purpose of creation is the magnet. That is the magnet that pulls all of creation to it. What that means is that all the states that we're going through in life, they are directing us to reach the purpose of creation. Can, can you see the beauty in that? There is an end result that we have to come to. It's embedded in nature. It's predetermined in the evolutionary process. It has to happen. Right? So everything that we're going through in life, things happen to us with our boss, with our life, with our friends, with, with my wife, with my dog, all kinds of things, right? Things will happen according to what you need to go through to reach that purpose of creation. Now, if you start thinking about the purpose of creation, thinking of equivalence of form, you will advance towards that purpose of creation in a better way. So what happens is that you're changing on the way. Your concepts of good, bad, truth, false, bitter and sweet are changing according to how you change 
as you move closer and closer to the purpose of creation. Every new state in the wisdom of Kabbalah, when you actually advance, you find yourself re redefining everything. The only thing that stays constant is the direction. Okay. Awesome. That was from an advanced class in Kabiyu that Joseph and I uh, taught together. So he discussed there about how it's all leading towards the purpose of creation. So what is the purpose of creation? Well, we'll save that for another video. No, I won't leave you hanging. It's pretty easy and it's pretty cool. The purpose of creation is to receive ultimate fulfillment. Not like we're, we get in this world fulfillment that's fleeting, that we're chasing it and always we remain empty and stuff. Okay, we'll pause here. So actually you just got a preview of uh, how every letter in the course is built. In the first course, Crack the Hebrew Code. So I said four and I actually showed you three. So again, the first one is understanding just a letter, learning how to pronounce it, you know, the, the way it's structured, uh, four words starting with that letter, a bit of a background on the letter, etc. The other one is a spiritual ID. The other one, just what you saw now, Hishtavut uh, HaTzuah, equivalence of form, is a spiritual concept starting with that letter. Uh, that was actually a lot of fun to create. So 22 videos, we each with a spiritual concept starting with a Hebrew letter. That was Hey Hishtavut HaTzuah. So there are 21 more videos each starting with a different letter and explaining a spiritual concept like that. Uh, and the fourth is actually not a video, it's a PDF to answer uh, Hilda Lisa's question. It's a PDF that you can print out to practice writing the letter. Um, so that's a kind of a sample of the letter Hey, and we also touched upon the letter Yud. Um, hopefully you found, even from this session, value and some understanding of the Hebrew language and now I'll tell you a little bit more about the courses so we have in total oh wait a minute where is it it's here okay so we have in total we have like I mentioned before we have three courses crack the Hebrew code course which has 27 letters each what I described now and it has a lot of the background on the spiritual language and also uh, there's a question from Joseph here do nigudim do the contrast have much importance actually yes there's also a video about that black on white meaning the black letters on the white background it resembles some some forces interacting and the the contrast between them is actually very important so you're welcome to check it out if you want Joseph and there's there's a whole lot packed into uh, crack the Hebrew code uh, you can check out the link, you'll see a page where it explains everything about it and what's inside, etc. And we also have Learn to Read Hebrew, Modern, Biblical, and Kabbalistic. So this is where you learn step-by-step step to read Hebrew. No prior knowledge requ required. It will give you the, the basics of reading Hebrew. So by the end of this course, you should be able to read basic Hebrew. Uh, and then there's also the conversational Hebrew. So learning to speak Hebrew. So these are three courses in total, uh, which we created just recently, released based on your desire and request and demand. Uh, these courses are valued, uh, according to market price, at $197 per course. So in total, uh, $591. Of course, that's not the price that we're offering them. Uh, we're offering them at our launch price uh, for $47 each. 
Uh, I can't say how long this is going to be going for. Uh, it's not going to be going for a long, I assume. But this is our special launch price, so $47 per course. So you can save, if you get all three courses, you can save up to $450. You don't have to get all three. You can buy one of them. Um, if you want to get also the basics and the spiritual understanding, etc., and you want to learn to read, and you want to learn uh, to speak, then you can get all three. Uh, otherwise, you can get less than three. That's also awesome. Uh, if you're reading the chats, I already saw kind of students were writing that they already took this course and they and some comments about it. So I'll take a risk here and I'll say, if you're already taking the course, uh, write in the chat uh, what you think. I'm saying I'm taking a risk because, you know, who knows what we'll find there. Hopefully we'll find good comments. Um, so far, the feedback that I got was very, very good and that that it does add a, another layer of learning Hebrew, something that a lot of students felt they were lacking when they tried learning Hebrew in other places for whatever reason they had. Um, but hopefully this will give you this added value which for me was incredible when I created this and the reason I created it and everything I learned from my teacher, Kabbalist Dr. Michael Lightman, it really made me understand the Hebrew language in a totally different way and it is fascinating. So hopefully you found value even in the session today, even if that's just all you take. If you did, then hit that like button so others can also enjoy this session and maybe hear about this course and possibly study Hebrew I will do a quick blitz of a few more questions, really quick. Why is Hebrew written from right to left? Sean is asking. It's written from right to left because that is the order of spiritual correction. It always goes from the right line to the left line. Um, how do we contribute? How do, how do we contribute to the world learning the sacred? Uh, stop touching the PDF because it makes things jump. <laughs> How do we contribute to the world learning the sacred and spiritual language? Uh, this is a question from Mark Rosario. Actually, it's a on the one hand a weird question. Why would you contribute anything to the world by learning a language? But in fact, you're right. You are contributing to the world if you learn the language from its spiritual aspect because by doing that, you're changing yourself and by changing yourself, you're changing the world. We'll stop at that because this can go on for an hour, that question. Could the language be creating consciousness within those who understand it? Yes, and it goes both ways. By creating this consciousness related to the letters, you can understand the language. And by learning the language before you have the consciousness, with the desire to do that, it does create this consciousness. We'll stop here. We're out of time. Again, if you enjoyed the session, click that like button. Uh, hopefully you did. And if you want to check out the course, then follow the link. Like I said before, 30-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. For whatever reason you didn't like it, just let us know and we'll give you your money back. Uh, why are we doing that? Because we want you to give it a try if you're not sure. So dive into it. Why not? I'm Gil Shear, and this was Kabbalah Explained Simply. And today we discovered the spiritual meaning of the Hebrew language, and we studied some Hebrew. Thank you.